Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This episode is episode 310, and we're talking about Ukraine, specifically Kiev and Odessa. Yeah, it's going to be great. We had a good time there, and we're looking forward to sharing that with you. But first of all, what have we been up to over the last little while? Well, it's been a busy couple of weeks since we last recorded, hasn't it? It sure has. So we were in London for a week. We went from Ukraine to London uh, to attend WTM, which is the World Travel Market. Yeah, it's one of Europe's largest travel trade shows. So we spent a flat-out few days wandering around stalls, uh, having meetings with people, and catching up with a whole bunch of friends and other bloggers in London itself. It was awesome. And we stayed with my brother Simon and his fiance Katie, which is always good. And we had some good good adventures with them, actually. We uh, went to the final of the Rugby World Cup. Not the actual game, unfortunately. We couldn't afford the tickets. But were they like £300 each? Yeah. So we went to the fan zone at Richmond and we watched New Zealand beat Australia, which we always love to see. We also did a day trip down to Bath. Such an elegant city. I love it so much. That was neat. But one of my favourite things was the tour that we did around London. We walked around an area of London that we've walked a hundred times before, but got a completely different view on it thanks to the tour we were doing, which was all about Charles Dickens. And uh, it was about Dickens, it was about other writers and publishers that came before and were around the same time as him, and about London, uh, I don't know, 200 years ago. Yeah, it was amazing. So that was with Context Travel, and we always liked doing trips with them. Since then, we have flown out of London and down to where we are right now, which is in Mexico. We're in Cancun on the east coast of Mexico and uh, enjoying the sun, enjoying the tropical weather. Not so much enjoying the massive rainstorms that are coming in every now and again. It's but crazy. Hey, that's, that's the tropics, eh? Yeah, so we had a couple of days in Playa del Carmen, and then we caught the bus up here to Cancun, and we're just staying in a resort. One of our friends has a timeshare, so we've managed to get quite a good deal here. And, you know, resorts aren't really our thing, so it's been interesting for us to kind of laze by the pool and not do all that much. But we have gone and seen some mine ruins already. We went to El Rey, where there were a lot of iguanas and not so many ruins, but it was very interesting. And yesterday we did the Cenotes tour, which is um, a tour of several cenotes. And cenotes are like underground pools, or used to be underground pools. It's where the bedrock has collapsed to reveal groundwater. And apparently the Mayans used to sacrifice their princesses down there, so... It's a little bit strange. Yeah, we didn't have a chance to do that, unfortunately, but we did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the look at your face. I hope everyone else just spurted coffee out of their nose, too. (laughs) Wow. So we had a great time. It was Linda and me and our two friends, Janine and Ange, and you'll hear a bit more about them over the next few months, I'm sure, because we're traveling around uh, Mexico and Cuba with them over the next, I don't know, one month to, to six weeks. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll catch you up more on our Mexico happenings in the near future. So as Linda was saying, we went on this day trip yesterday with Xenotes, which is X-E-Notes, I guess <laughs> is how you transliterate it into English. And as part of it, we went to four different Xenotes and did different things. So the first one, we went rappelling into an underground lake, I guess, uh, through a big hole in the earth. Uh, other times we did zip lining, we did some snorkeling, jumped on some very unwieldy kayaks and paddled around for a bit. That was fun. Uh, but before we started all of that, we had the guides offer a request for, or a, 
I guess, a kind of a prayer of a type mm. of thanks to the Alus, who were the traditional spirits. So here's what that sounded like. Alushnum. Alushnum. Alushka. Alushka. Alushik. Alushik. Alushkak. Alushkak. Tawotosh. Tawotosh. Talon Shimbal. Talon Shimbal. Jekinap. Jekinap. Kananton. Kananton. Jumbotik. Jumbotik. Awesome. That was a fun day, but we're not talking about Mexico today. We are all about Ukraine, which is pretty much on the other side of the world. Well, almost. Definitely a different continent. So let's start by talking about what's good about Ukraine. What did you like about it? I liked a lot about Ukraine. Um, The thing that really stands out in my mind is food. Um, That's immediately what's sprung into my mind. What a surprise. I know. I know. People are shocked all around the world. Although I should say that we weren't so happy with the wine in Ukraine. After being in Moldova, where the wine is spectacular, Ukraine was a little bit of a disappointment. Well, you know, Ukraine's just had all of their uh, their vineyards seized by Russia. Yeah. All of Ukraine's wine production is in the Crimea. That's and right. that's just been annexed. So that's not so good. But the food was good. And the cognac was good, too. I was going oh, to say. Yeah. yeah. We might not have wine, but at least the cognac was good. Excellent. People were also really good to us. We met up with uh, someone we met on Instagram while we were in, down in Odessa. And then in Kiev, we met up with uh, some other people that I know through my work with Performance Foundry. A couple of my contractors are there in, well, they live in Ukraine. So we brought everyone together in Kiev for a week. And that was cool. And then we also ran into some people in the corridor of our hotel. And they invited us to go to the beach with them and drink cognac. So, you know, you don't say no to this kind of thing. And we had a really nice afternoon with them. Yeah, it was cool. So the people we met were still very surprised that foreign people, especially people from New Zealand, were coming to Ukraine at all. And I always think that you're somewhere a bit off the beaten path when locals are surprised to see foreigners wandering around. Well, I suppose it's fair enough because the visa issue is quite an issue. We've already told you the story about how I tried to go into Ukraine without a visa. The thing is that people from the States and the UK and the EU don't need a visa to go to Ukraine, but uh, New Zealanders do. We don't need an invitation letter, so that means that we can really just go to an embassy and fill in lots and lots of forms and pay lots of money and get the visa. It's still a bit difficult for people from many countries, so I think that's one of the things that's not so great about the country. One thing I really enjoyed was the architecture. And it's not dissimilar to other countries in the region, uh, especially Romania. I Mm -hmm. think a lot of the churches and uh, municipal buildings were very similar in style. But I think Ukraine does it slightly better. Yeah, they're amazing. I mean, we'll put some photos on the show notes for this at IndieTravelPodcast.com. I particularly liked Santa Sofia or St. Sofia Cathedral. Just amazing. These beautiful green domed roofs. Just, oh, amazing. It was cool. We'll talk more about uh, some of the churches and religious sites we went to later on in the show. But first of all, I guess we better explain where Ukraine actually is to help people get an idea of where we're talking about. All right. So it's in Eastern Europe and uh, it borders Moldova. We came across from Moldova. Also Romania, Hungary, Slovakia and Poland off to the, the west. Belarus is kind of to the north. Russia's off to the east. And then you've got the Black Sea down to the south. Yeah, and the Black Sea is really fascinating. Like when we were in Odessa, for example, we realized that we were just a 45-minute ferry ride away from Istanbul. Yeah, well, apparently those ferries aren't running anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, the person we talked to said that uh, it was possible. So that's crazy. That's how close we were to Turkey. 
uh, just straight south on the Black Sea when we're in Odessa. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I find these countries so incredible to think that you can travel by boat or by bus and go through three or four countries in, in a day. So if you are going to Ukraine, then the best way to get there is probably flights. There are cheap flights with uh, Wizz Air flies there and Air Baltic and various mm-hmm. other I'm flying into Kiev. Um, and because of the current situation with Russia, I wouldn't advise flying in from the east. Mm-hmm. But flying in from anywhere in Western Europe, uh, you're going through quite safe airspace. Yeah. You can also come overland, uh, buses, trains. There are lots of different options. We came, well, we tried to come by train. That didn't work, but uh, you could. And you could also go by bus from Moldova. You can do overnight trains from places like Vienna, really long trips that you will have to stop at the border while they change the wheels because they're different gauges. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Anyone that knows a little bit of history in the area will probably have heard that the gauges in the USSR for the trains were different from in Western Europe. And that was to stop invasion forces getting hold of the railway and just moving straight in. So it, it just stops everything at the, the border of the former USSR. So before you go, what should we do before you go? Uh, get a visa. <laughs> really, yes. Yeah. yes. You should definitely get a visa. First, check if you need a visa. If you need one, get one. That's something that I fail to do. Yeah, it's okay, though. It's okay. The other thing to do is probably to learn to read Cyrillic characters. Mm. And because the alphabet here is not the Latin alphabet that English speakers are used to, it's the same alphabet that the Russians use. It's Cyrillic. And so you can really easily transliterate and read a mm-hmm. whole lot of words, especially a lot of more modern words um, and things that are internationalized like restaurant, hotel, internet. Hamburger. Hamburger, things like that. But only if you can make the sounds of the letters. Yeah. So I studied Russian in high school back when I was about 13 years old. So I had all of these kind of misty memories of what some of the letters sounded like. Linda was starting from scratch, and you found you learnt Cyrillic, well, how to read it in just a handful of hours, eh? Yeah, I just got an app from the internet just off the iTunes store, and there are, there are plenty of them. I chose one at random and just worked my way through it. So uh, it's not too difficult. It's a phonetic language, so you can really, if you can learn what the sounds mean, you can read the sounds. You might not understand exactly what you're reading, but sometimes you'll be surprised. For yeah. example, we were down in the port in Odessa, and uh, I, f- I saw the name of a boat, and I was reading it, Valencia. Valencia, okay, right. <laughs> I felt like I was a little kid learning to read again. It made me feel a little bit silly, but it was really quite, I don't know, rewarding being able to read these things. You will see a lot of signs in English, and in the metros, for example, you'll see signs written in Latin characters. But I found it really useful to know how to read, at least understand the sounds. Sweet. So in the rest of the podcast, we're going to talk about two of the three most popular cities uh, in Ukraine. First of all, we'll talk about Odessa, which is down in the southwest, then Kiev, which is the capital and is about bang in the center. Uh, We wanted to get up to Lviv as well, which is in the northwest and apparently the most beautiful city in the country, Uh, but we weren't able to make it there. So unfortunately, we'll have to leave that one for another year. But before we get started talking about Odessa, here's the sound of some of the bells of one of the many, many churches in Odessa, uh, which we heard while we were wandering around. All right, so let's talk about Odessa. What did you think about Odessa? 
Odessa was interesting to me. We arrived late one afternoon and basically went straight to sleep and just stayed in our hotel. So the next day was a day which we got out and explored a little bit. I guess my first impressions were that it was a reasonably poor city. There were lots of municipal works that hadn't been done, so there were like broken pavements and things like that. But yet there was all of these grandiose, mm-hmm. glorious buildings as well. So big, uh, lots of Art Nouveau, a little bit of Art Deco, and uh, lots of Soviet-style buildings, all concrete and flat and sharp edges. Yeah, I think of it as kind of a faded grandeur. You know, it was once really amazing and beautiful, and it's, it's still beautiful, but it's just a little bit faded. Mm. It needs a bit of upkeep. But yeah, lots of beautiful buildings like the Opera House, and I think that was one of our major highlights, wasn't it? I think so. Apart from cognac down at the beach, uh, the opera is the thing that I'm going to remember the most. We went along one day to buy tickets for the next the next evening, and we'd been told that the ticket prices were about a hundred griffner or something like that. And, and so I think that was about I can't remember. It was five to ten euros. Yeah. So we were quite happy to go along and pay that for a, for an evening with the concert. No worries at all. And then we got there, and the cheapest tickets were twenty griffner, or nothing. So we ended up buying the next level up, I think, 30 or 40 grivner, which was considerably less than the price of a cup of coffee back home. We didn't know what was going to be on because we couldn't read the signs, so we just bought tickets to whatever was on. And it turned out to be an amazing ballet in two parts. Well, actually, it was two ballets, one more traditional and one more modern. So that was spectacular. It was really neat. It was crazy seeing a troupe of probably about 40 to 50 dancers, plus, of course, all of the stagehands, all of the the purses, all of the cleaning stuff, all of everything, and the tickets costing, uh, yeah. Nothing. A couple of cups of coffee. It was absolutely crazy and well worth it. Mm -hmm. It was Um, worth it just to go and see the building. It was one of these amazing buildings. The building was lovely, eh? Uh, Lots of uh, statuary and curlicues on the stairways and things either marble or gilt with gold. It was really cool. So on our second night in the city, we met up with someone we met on Instagram, Snezhana, and she gave us a little tour of the city. We visited the Mother-in-Law Bridge, we visited the port, we went down the Potemkin Steps, we saw the Catherine the Great Monument, the Flat House, the City Gardens. We just basically saw everything. It was amazing. Yeah, it was nice, and it showed how walkable that central city is. The whole city is huge. Uh, you can drive for 45 minutes in any direction and still be in it, but the port area and the central area of the city where the city gardens are, the pedestrianised streets with uh, nice restaurants and bars, all of that area, yeah, and down to the ports, maybe about 20 minutes walking in any direction. So that was really cool. Yeah. One of my favourite places was the flat house. So the story goes that they didn't have enough money to build a house with four walls, so they built one with three. And uh, when you go there, if you stand at the right angle, it looks like it's it's just 2D. But we were there at dusk and we could see the lights on and there were definitely people living inside, so that was really interesting. The other place we went to was the Mother-in-Law Bridge, which is a bridge that connects two parts of the city. And you could just go around. I mean, it's not very far to walk around from one point to the next. But apparently an official had this, uh, this bridge built because he wanted to be able to get to his mother-in-law's house more easily because she made really good dumplings. Which is fair enough. I mean, the dumplings in Ukraine are really good. Yeah, we ate dumplings, well, I ate dumplings a lot. And so dumplings with compote was kind of the order of the day. Mm, Yeah, compote is is a drink. It's made from fruit. What they do is they get a jar, they fill it, well, they kind of half fill it with fruit, 
add hot water and sugar and then leave it. They kind of seal it and they can leave it for months and months if they want. We went to a restaurant chain called Compot, same name, and we had a lot of this drink, so it was really good. It was neat. And uh, Compot was on a street that I still struggle to pronounce, but I'm going to try it. It was um, Derabaisovskaya Street. Close enough. Check the show notes for that one. That was a cool little area near the city gardens, near the opera. There were often buskers around. There were several nice restaurants. And there was also an area of street stalls selling everything from traditional food to burgers to sushi. Uh, So this little international kind of outdoor food court area. I imagine it would be absolutely buzzing in summer. When we were there... Last month, the temperatures were significantly cooler. It was very cold. So it was all jackets on, but still quite busy, still lots of people sitting out or sitting in tiny little cubicles attached to these stalls. And so, yeah, we ate there one time as well. We did, have, we did have one day that it was just warm enough to sit outside, so that was pretty cool. But the next day it was absolutely freezing. Nice. Linda mentioned the Potemkin steps before, and so this is going to mean nothing to most people. But anyone that studied film or has an interest in uh, the beginnings of film will know about this from the movie Battleship Potemkin. So if film's interesting to you, go and check that out. And yeah, the, the steps look very similar now to when that movie was filmed about 100 years ago. That's so amazing. It's fantastic. So other things to do in Odessa, you can visit the Prevoz Market, which was one of the largest markets in the former USSR. We stocked up on food for our overnight train trip there, so that was really cool. There are also lots of museums. We didn't go to any this time, but there are art museums, a literature museum, maritime museum, art galleries, archaeological museum, cinema museum. can't believe we didn't go to that one. There were just so many museums. Yeah, there were so many. We couldn't go to all of them, so we didn't go to any. <laughs> Next up, we're going to go to Kiev, the capital. Now, how should we get between Odessa and Kiev? Well, we looked into the different options, and the, the main options are to travel by train, to travel by bus, or to do a car sharing option, car hire, something like that. And it turned out that bus was more expensive than train, and a train was probably going to be more comfortable. Plus, we could do an overnight train. So, although I don't sleep too well in vehicles, we thought we'd give it a go. And since the tickets were only 400 grivna each, which is about 18 US dollars, we decided to have a private cabin in first class. Now, first class doesn't mean exactly what you think it means. It just means a private cabin, really, with two beds. You could also get a four-berth cabin or go third class, which is one big carriage with just open plan. And, we, you know, we quite like locking our things up, so we went with first class. Well, we're about to arrive in Kiev, and here's some sounds from it. These are some folk singers who are performing outside the Mother Motherland Monument in Kiev. <laughs> So, Kiev, the capital. Kiev was amazing. Such a beautiful place. I mean, we were told while we were in Odessa, I was taking photos of some churches and people kept saying, just wait until you're in Kiev, just wait until you're in Kiev. And they were right. The buildings, the religious buildings in Kiev are spectacular. One of the things that really struck me about Kiev, and it's because we were there in the autumn, in the fall, was all of the colours. So Kiev's based along a, a confluence of rivers, and up from the rivers come these hills, and all of the city, all of the buildings are down in the, the river valleys, and all of the hills are uh, natural parks or very uh, carefully 
manicured parks. And so it's really beautiful. You can walk up almost any hill, get out of the buildings and get up into these uh, big tall trees. And while we were there, they were all yellow, bright orange, fiery red. It was really beautiful being up there and, and looking along the river and just seeing all of these forests. Yeah, it was amazing. I think it was the most spectacular autumn we've ever had. I've never really noticed autumn before. And I've always heard people say, oh, I love the change of the colours, and I haven't got it until now. So thanks, Ukraine. That was really cool. We had an interesting situation in Kiev and that we were meeting some of my contractors from Performance Foundry who live in Ukraine. So we spent a bit of time working and a bit of time sightseeing. And so because of that, although we had five days, we didn't actually see that much. But what we did see was super impressive. That's right. We went to see the Mother Motherland Monument, which is an immense statue of a woman, and it stands above the um, the War Memorial Museum. It was a really interesting place to go, even if you're not into military history, uh, which we're not overly fascinated by. But it was great because, once again, it's up on top of the hills with amazing views over the river valley. It's got this great Soviet era or Soviet style uh, realism in its, I don't know, not facades really. You, you walk through this bunker with all of these friezes on the wall on either side. It was really impressive and yeah. it felt a little bit like something out of a computer game, <laughs> like something out of Counter-Strike or Doom. It was, it was just something quite unreal for me. Yeah, it was a long walk to get to the monument and yeah, you had to go through all these kind of tunnels and... Yeah, bunker cut type things. So that was an interesting experience. Yeah, and it really, I don't know, it transported you into a, a wartime feeling. In the centre of town, we visited Maidan Square, which is where there are a lot of buildings and monuments and pillars and various things to have a look at. Yeah, it's kind of the centre of town, isn't it? Yeah, and from there, there's uh, another street we don't really know how to pronounce, uh, Krishchatik Street. We really should get some uh, some tutoring on this. And uh, all around the town, there are lots of churches and monasteries. I think one of my highlights was the uh, Kiev Pishesk Lavra, or just the Lavra, which is a, a cave monastery. So the story goes that about a thousand years ago, priests settled in the area and they started to dig out these caves. And uh, they built a whole bunch of different buildings above the caves, but they were also living inside the caves. And now you can go and visit the buildings. It, there's an entrance fee to go into the complex. Uh, it's, it's very little. I think we paid about... 100 grivna for to be able to take photos and then it was about 20 or 30 grivna per person to go in and uh, yeah we just wandered around you can go into some buildings there are different prices depending on what you want to do and what you want to see then we went down the hill to the caves themselves and you have to pay one grivna to buy a candle which you take with you as you walk through these really narrow narrow passageways which are packed with people it's a real fire risk if you have claustrophobia, we do not recommend it. I know. I, I have no claustrophobia at all, and even at times I was like going, I'm feeling a bit stuck. Yeah, because you couldn't go back. You just had to go with the, the flow of people. And as you're walking along, you'll come across these glass coffins which contain the mummified remains of some of the priests. And most of them are covered over with funerary cl cloths or shrouds, but in some of them you can see a hand poking out, a mummified hand. And it was really interesting. As tourists, I think that was the main attraction, was to go and see these, these mummified remains of the priests. But most of the tourists there were religious tourists uh, on pilgrimage. 
coming from other places in Eastern Orthodox Christianity and coming to this specific monastery to come down into the caves. Definitely worth a visit for the curious. I had to put on a skirt. They had some pieces of fabric there that they, they lent out to you as skirts and put a scarf over my head. So it was an interesting experience. Craig didn't have to do that. He had to take off his hat, I think. Yeah, I was wearing long trousers. So I think that helped. The religious tourism is big in all of Eastern Europe and the architecture around some of these buildings in Kiev was just fantastic. I think, Linda, you already said that the Santa Sofia was your favourite, right? Oh, just amazing. This enormous building. It's no longer a church, unfortunately, and we didn't go in, so we just took photos from the outside. Just so amazing. A white building with lots of green detail and a bit of gold. Just spectacular. Yeah, I liked, well, I liked all of them. It was just neat seeing them all there. Once again, because Ukraine's currently uh, not, I don't know, can we say at war with? Is Having issues in, with. In conflict with its uh, larger eastern neighbour. Everything's, you know, being funnelled into actually keeping a state up and running. And so things are decaying a little bit. And then there's these crazy golden churches built in the golden age 200, 300 years ago when Catherine was in power and everything was full speed ahead. And so it's it's this weird contrast that yeah. I just kept on coming back to in my head. I was like, wow, there's a multi-million dollar building with, you know, relics and artwork from hundreds of years ago. And it's really hard to walk down the street because things are a bit broken up or that building was burnt out in the uprising 18 months ago or, yeah. you know, uh, real, real conflict of feeling. Yeah, it's definitely a place of contrast, isn't it? The, yeah. the difference between now and then and modern and almost ancient. Once again, food was a highlight. We found out in Kiev that we liked Georgian food, which was pretty amazing considering we were in Ukraine. But yeah. We found some great Georgian restaurants around. We also went to a small restaurant near us that did local food for 60 grivna, which was less than three euros, and we went there two or three times. We got a, a soup, a drink, and uh, a main course with three different options mm. for, for that, which is ridiculous. And it was so delicious. And there was a cool local chain which was like cafeteria style, upmarket cafeteria style. So you went in and walked along and picked up the food that you wanted and then had it all totaled up at the, uh, at the end. And that was a great local suggestion. And that was called Pusata Hata. So if you're ever in town and struggling for something to eat, want a casual lunch, Pusata Hata are all over the place. And yeah, it's Very really good, good really tasty. Um, accommodation? Well... Like most places, there's a full range of accommodation from couch surfing or hostels all the way up to five-star luxury. We went somewhere in the middle and we stayed on a boat, a boatel, and uh, that was quite interesting. We had a comfortable room and, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting experience. Yeah, it was. It was fascinating. Oh, we didn't talk about getting around Kiev. Kiev is a bit bigger than Odessa, so we recommend using the metro. We love taking metros. It's always a good thing. And it's only four rivna per ride. You can buy tokens either from a cash desk or from a machine. There are three lines and intersecting stations have two names, one per line. So just be aware of that. That confused us a little bit at the time. You can also catch buses. Uh, the centre is walkable and taxis are also perfectly acceptable. But make sure you get someone to ring ahead for you. Don't just hop into a taxi. Yeah, we were told even for locals there's a big price difference between jumping in a taxi on the street and calling or texting one of the central depots and getting them to come and pick you up and drop you off. 
So we were told that even locals do that. And so as a, as a stranger and a foreigner, you definitely want to do that or have someone do that for you. Yeah, if you're staying in a hotel, then the receptionist will be happy to do that for you. Yeah, but every time we traveled by taxi, it was good and prices were fair. Uh, right. But we never jumped in a taxi on the street. Um, so we've alluded a few times to the, the conflict in Crimea and with uh, the Russian invasion there. I would say that the west of Ukraine is still a very safe place to travel. Despite the political unrest, despite that, it really feels like Kiev and west, life is just going on. Yeah, it's an ordinary place with ordinary people living relatively ordinary lives. We wouldn't go very far east of Kiev, though. I mean, there's this conflict going on, and it's just not worth it. Yeah, we intentionally made that decision, but there's no reason that I could see uh, not to go out that way. And I'm sure our uh, security advisors would be slapping us around the head if they were here with us now. So take that with a grain of salt. Do your own research uh, about the current situation. Yeah, things but change really fast. It was absolutely great for us. To finish up, would you go back to Ukraine? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But not in winter. I think that the spring and autumn are the two best times. Uh, we got told that the summer is absolutely blistering hot. But down at Odessa and on the sea and along the coast, of course, that's good because you're going swimming, right? To go into the cities, I'd avoid the, the icy, freezing cold of winter and the blistering temperatures of summer. And who would you recommend it to? Uh, anyone that wants to get, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna use a cliche here, but off the beaten path. Oh, Craig. Oh, oh, oh. You did um, it. So anyone that's excited about Eastern Europe, likes the food there, likes the people there and the warmness that they have, and wants to just keep going a bit further east. All in all, it was just absolutely great, and I'm looking forward to going back one day. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back when I don't need a visa anymore. <laughs> there is that. You're yeah. a bit scarred by that, eh? Oh, it was terrible. Well, anyway, it's fine. It was just a bad experience, and we all have bad experiences when we travel, right? Absolutely. Let's finish off with a bit of audio from this weird instrument that uh, someone was playing. How do you describe it? It's a bit like a, a harp or a guitar, somewhere between the two of them. Anyway, enjoy it. So that rounds out the Ukraine podcast. If you have any questions at all, find the show notes at IndieTravelPodcast.com. Look it up on Facebook, Facebook.com slash IndieTravel, or on Twitter at IndieTravel. You can also email us, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com. We're looking forward to hearing what you thought of the show and any questions that you have. So what's next for us? Well, we're here in Cancun at the moment, and tomorrow we're going to pick up a hire car and go for a road trip around the Yucatan Peninsula. I think it's going to be great, but we're a little bit apprehensive because we've heard stories about police pulling people over and asking for fines that aren't really justified, so I'm hoping none of that happens to us. Should be good, though. Yeah, we'll be travelling around with Ange and Janine uh, through the Yucatan, looking forward to seeing some of the amazing cultural sites that we've heard about and finding some good restaurants along the way too. Yeah, the food um, here is spectacular. Yeah, it's been fantastic so far, eh? 
and then in a couple of weeks we're going to end up back in Cancun, uh, swap our car for a plane and fly over to Cuba where we'll be spending a couple of weeks exploring there. So any advice for Cuba, for the Yucatan, for Chiapas, which is the, the next region in, in Mexico, we'd love to hear it. it. Hit us up at all of the normal places. And if you're around and you're free for a drink, just let us know. Well, that's us for this time. Until next time, travel well.